flowers has long been and remains a popular tradition across the world. Flowers are the go-to gift to cheer someone up in hospital, to say thank you for a dinner invitation, and last but certainly not least, to proclaim undying love. Yes, what could be more romantic than a dozen red roses? This is Amine Nancel and on the occasion of Valentine's Day, a day increasingly marked on calendars around the world, journalists from our radio network met with florists across the block to find out more about the EU's booming flower industry. Our tour begins in Bulgaria, where landscape architect Tatiana Boyadieva shares her love of flowers and flowering plants with Bienars Rosica Alexandrova. If a flower is a symbol of love, imagine a magnolia when you're given it. A tiny tree that begins to bloom as if love is growing before your eyes and getting bigger and more beautiful and more blossoming with each passing year. The symbolism differs according to the gift, be it a live pot plant, a bouquet or a flower arrangement. Each one carries incredible emotion, love. People seem to agree as the global floriculture industry is worth over 64 billion euros. According to the European Cut Flowers Market forecast, Europe's market alone is expected to grow by some 4.1% between 2020 and 2027. Yet, as they say, every rose has its thorn. The life cycle of many cut flowers begin a long way from our shores. About a quarter of the flowers imported by EU member states come from Africa, mainly Ethiopia and Kenya, or South America, in particular Ecuador. Israel is also a major producer. EU flower imports are worth more than 4 billion euros. Alexa Petre and Georgiana Perietzano own Flory Sauvage, a floral design studio in Bucharest. Like most florists in Romania, they buy flowers locally, but also from the Netherlands. The business they run is based on floral sustainability. Although one might imagine the floral industry to already be pretty natural, Alexa tells our colleagues at Radio Romania that the reality can be far from green. The perception is that working with flowers is very sustainable and eco-friendly. But in fact, the international flower production industry is not like that at all, because most of the flowers that we see in florists are produced not in the Netherlands, as we'd like to think, but in quite distant countries, such as Kenya, Ecuador and Colombia. These are the three biggest producing countries, especially of roses. They therefore travel thousands, tens of thousands of kilometres to reach the flower shops on our high streets, and their carbon footprint is huge. In addition, they're harvested two to three weeks before we receive them, so naturally various substances are used to preserve them in transit. So I wouldn't say it's a very eco-friendly industry, at least not the traditional one as we think of it. Indeed, these distant countries often use higher levels of pesticides, to prevent plant disease and pests. And many of these pesticides are banned in the EU. Alexandra Bergles, owner of the Svetober brand, which produces locally grown cut flowers in Slovenia, explains to Tanja Milanovic at RTV Slovenia why the sector continues to import so many flowers from these countries. In Kenya, the climate is ideal for growing roses outdoors. Outdoors still means in covered greenhouses, but they don't require heating. They also have less strict standards controlling the use of pesticides than we do in Europe, and labour is cheaper. 
Not only is pesticide use more prolific in such countries, but it also is less regulated from a health and safety perspective. For example, roses are sprayed with pesticides while workers are picking the flowers, which means that they inhale these harmful products. Moreover, pesticides and fertilizer residues, nitrates, phosphates and so on, flow into the water table, killing aquatic life with a knock-on effect on bird and human populations. And to add insult to injury, flower crops are notoriously thirsty. It is estimated that a single rose stem consumes between 7 and 13 liters of water. Not to mention the air mouths the flowers then rack up. Their first stop in Europe is often the Netherlands, the EU's biggest flower transit hub, or Germany the bloc's largest importer. Miriam Bal at RTBF traveled to the Netherlands to meet Michiel van Schie, an employee of the Royal Flora Holland Flower Auction. Every year, 12 billion flowers and plants pass through this prestigious hub to be sold. I think on a day like today, some 15 million flowers are sold. That's an ordinary day here at Royal Flora Holland Auction in Arlesmere, which is by far the largest auction in the world. This building is the same size as the whole of the Vatican City. About a quarter of all our products are roses, so about three billion roses are traded through Royal Flora Holland. Most roses, certainly the smaller ones, come from Africa, from Kenya and Ethiopia, which are the major production areas. Dutch growers have specialized in the top segment of roses, so the expensive ones, red roses, white roses, the ones with long stems, with large buds. But most roses, in numerical terms, come from Africa. Van Schie explains that most of these flowers are brought directly from Europe's airports to this gigantic international market by a refrigerated lorry. And it is not long before they are packed back into more refrigerated lorries to be shipped onto shops and exporters across the EU. All ration and fuel equals a lot of greenhouse gases. But are there any viable alternatives for moving blooms around? Our colleague at Radio 24, Giulia Manresa, asks Roberto Pastor, the owner of a Milan-based company specializing in the wholesale trade of flowers and plants through Italy's largest flower redistribution market. He says that other transport solutions do exist, but that we sometimes lack the imagination required to make them work. A few years ago, there was an investment of over 300 million euros to refurbish the fruit and vegetable market. We suggested making it possible for trucks to come here from the Netherlands or southern Italy by train. Once upon a time, there were tracks inside the vegetable market, and we could have made them operational again. Unfortunately, not everybody looks to the future when making decisions, but only at the here and now. Sustainability is not really taken into account. And while on paper, flowers growing closer to home seem greener than those important from other parts of the world, the reality of domestic flower production is far from ideal, as Estonian biologist Marlin Lanep tells Mark from Kukkuradio. Holland is well known as a flower grower, but the problem is that it's a winter monther. There are a lot of clouds, and greenhouses consume a massive amount of energy. 
79% of the Dutch agricultural sector's entire energy consumption goes towards growing flowers. So flowers tend to have a huge carbon footprint, whether they are flown in from far-flung countries or produced on our doorstep through intensive greenhouse horticulture. Moreover, flowers are not subject to the same regulatory requirements as edible crops. As a result, wherever they come from, many flowers contain an impressive cocktail of toxic chemicals, Laanep adds. A flower is beautiful, I totally agree. But flowers are not meant to be eaten, so they have different regulations regarding, for example, pesticide use. So you may give someone a beautiful flower, but there are actually a lot of toxic chemicals on it, which can affect the health of the florist and the recipient. So those 100 beautiful roses may actually harm the person you give them to. In Belgium, they found an average of 10 active substances per bouquet of flowers. So perhaps it's not the nicest gift. In fact, a single bunch of flowers has been found to contain up to a hundred different active substances. So says Belgian expert Bruno Schiefers, who conducted a four-year study on toxic residues found on flowers sold in Belgium and their possible link to skin problems, hormone problems and cancers among florists. Schiefers is speaking to Mirjam at RTBF. We had samples that came from all over the world, including Europe, Belgium, Holland, Germany and so on. A hundred different active substances were found on roses, around 30 on gerberas, around 30 on chrysanthemums. On cut flowers that came from Ecuador, for example, we found up to 60 different active substances on a single bunch of five roses. The fact is that there is nothing banning residues on flowers. There is no maximum limit applicable to residues. And the main impact is on the health of florists. But there are alternatives for florists who believe the outlook could and should be rosier. Indeed, the floriculture sector is slowly waking up to the need for organic growth strategies, says Rui Algarvio, vice president of Portugal's Association for Plant and Flower Producers, in an interview with Cristina Nascimento, our colleague at Radio Renascença. There is already an awareness. Apart from all the rules that have to be made and applied, there is already an awareness, an environmental concern. And the sector itself has already created models that allow them to move towards an ever greater use of alternatives to phytopharmaceuticals and an ever greater urge to move towards a zero residue situation, which is the total absence of phytopharmaceutical use. In other words, the absence of residues of synthetic drugs. Several labels have been developed to certify that flowers have been grown in an environmentally friendly manner, with fewer, if not yet zero, pesticides, minimal water consumption through the use of drip irrigation and rainwater harvesting, boilers with air pollution filters, integrated pest management and environmentally friendly waste disposal. Our colleague in Germany, Zina Volkham, spoke to Emma Auerbach. Der Blumenhandel in Deutschland kann nachhaltiger werden, indem er vor allen Dingen regionaler wird. The flower trade in Germany can become more sustainable by becoming more regional and seasonal. Flowers that are grown locally can be provided without long transport routes and do not need additional packaging or additional treatment. Moreover, pesticide-free cultivation is possible, as some organic farms and the slow flower movement have shown us. 
And if customers are made aware of seasonal flowers and dried flower periods, such as winter, there will be nothing standing in the way of sustainable flower cultivation in Germany. She's a spokesperson for the country's low flower movement about the movement's key aims. In Romania, florist Alexandra Petre also stresses the advantages of locally grown flowers. We try as much as possible to get the flowers we need direct from the growers, the local producers that can be found and easily contacted. There is not a wide variety of flowers, in the sense that we can't source all types of flowers this way. But they have very beautiful flowers and varieties that help you a lot as a florist, when you have to make products for events or even for bouquets. Not to mention that their flowers are much fresher, you can see that. I mean, there are some types of flowers, dahlias for example, that only have a day or two to live if they arrive from Holland. If they were ordered from a local producer, and there are such producers, they would come fresh and hold out 10 days, which is great. And Alexandra from Slovenia sees an upwards trend here. There's a shift underway. Elsewhere in the world, we're seeing more and more of these small local growers, especially in the US and the UK, where great progress has been made in this area over the last 10 years. Europe is lagging a bit behind because of the competition from the Netherlands and their stock exchange. But things are gradually changing for the better. As consumers, we can also promote change by opting to buy locally grown, seasonal flowers like buttercup or mimosa in winter, tulips and lilac in spring, etc. As many of us increasingly try to do with our fruits and vegetables. We should also be doing our bit to reduce yet another big source of pollution generated by the flower trade, namely packaging. Agnieszka Ptaszek-Kolek, a Polish flower cultivator, tells our colleague Kasia Seman at Polskie Radio that for their part, producers are already making a concerted effort to reduce packaging waste in the transportation of flowers and plants. When it comes to the product itself, we try to use as little plastic as possible. In other words, we use returnable packaging as much as possible. Roses are wrapped in foil. We're now exploring new possibilities for what this foil can be replaced with. At the moment, the only solution that comes into play is cellulose film. At the same time, this is three times more expensive and breaks up a lot, so it's not the optimal solution. The same applies to production pots. We try to use recycled materials for these. The next step is to use recyclable materials. Lithuanian florist Gabriele Czerniauskaite agrees that more and more flower sellers are seeking ecological solutions. Yet she tells Auguste Adjinuradias that the majority of her customers still want their flowers tied in shiny plastic, accompanied by various artificial decorations, despite an attempt to pursue them otherwise. Organic packaging is easier to find, but to wrap or not to wrap. We always ask people whether we should wrap the flowers. Perhaps it's not necessary. Flowers are already beautiful by themselves, so why put them in something else? It's a little bit more difficult to guide older people in this direction and suggest not wrapping, for example, a single rose in plastic. Sometimes it's simply not possible to dissuade them. They say, no, I need it. So you pack it in plastic. 
If the client wants something, we don't act like we don't want to or can't do it. We wrap it up. But we try to broach this question somehow. So in spite of appearances, the flower industry is no bed of roses, but we can all do our bit. 75-year-old Sofia resident Jordanka Nikiforova does more than most, though, as the self-proclaimed flower savior, tells Rosica Alexandrova at PNR. The flowers I plant in my yard and in my pots I buy from the big retail chains where they are selling off nearly dead flowers for pennies. It saddens my soul that these flowers are dying. So I take them to revive them. I take care of them, I feed them, I repot them. And when I see that I've given a flower that was ready to go in the bin, a new lease of life, that doesn't just make me happy, it makes my neighbours happy too. It makes friends who visit my home happy. It's a new energy, new life given to something that was just going to rot in the bin.